completely know that feeling of I like the different eras of people in my department. And then in one year, it like totally flipped where it was like I was the only person left. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number eight of The Middleman, a weekly podcast focused on educational issues specifically from the perspective of male middle school teachers. I am your slightly above average host, Brian Brown, along with my colleagues. Why don't we start over here and work our way around the table? Uh, Brad Curry. Derek Bullington. Mikey Amaro. All right. With our combined 78 years of classroom teaching experience, our opinion is no more important than yours. We just happen to have a microphone. Uh, Before we get into things, a couple of newsworthy improvements. Uh, Hopefully you heard last week some better audio. We have a bit of a setup that I think is improving that. And then we've also been developing some of our social media stuff. So there is things being posted on Instagram and X. And I think at some point we're going to be putting these on YouTube since we're recording them. All right. Anyway, uh, in this episode, we are going to talk about something quasi Halloween related, but not really. Uh, But we're going to do that after Mikey takes over for kind of the quote. A couple weeks ago when he was here, he was chomping at the bit to share <laughs> what he wanted to talk about. So he's going to take a minute or two and just tell us his favorite quote and and uh, explain it a little bit. Mikey, go for it. So much pressure. Yeah. Not necessarily maybe the, the most favorite because like whenever I'm asked to pick your favorite song, pick your favorite movie, it's from any student particularly. I'm like, oh, that's such a loaded question. But I got one here. Oh, there will be no money involved, but on your deathbed, you will receive total consciousness so i got that going for me (laughs) which is nice and so if (laughs) those on the video watching too as i try to do the facial expressions that is a famous line from carl spackler better known as bill murray in caddyshack (laughs) i absolutely love that quote and that's from the scene when he's holding a pitchfork at somebody's throat and he's talking about how he was an Al Looper and how he once took a turn with the Dalai Lama, 12th son of the Lama, bald, flowing robes, striking. <laughs> so it's really nice. To, I like that because there's just so many different um, airs of comedy in that movie and it just keeping it light. And I, I sometimes, sometimes bring that out randomly with kids where I talk about how there would be no money involved or they, they're mad about wanting something. I say, don't worry, you'll have total consciousness on your deathbed. <laughs> so you've got that going for you, which is nice. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought awesome. that would bring some levity <laughs> to the situation That's funny. <laughs> for anybody. Like, Caddyshack, great movie. Great movie. Uh, you know what quote I like? I, I don't ever say it, but in school, thinking of that one, that I would like to say to kids a lot when they answer questions sometimes, I think it's from... Adam Sandler movie where he's like, we are all dumber for having to hear <laughs> right. you say that or something along those lines. Right. Right. Now that we've had to listen to that, we are all dumber for having to hear you speak. That's a great point. That's from that uh, Billy Madison. Yeah, that's right. That's Billy, Billy Madison, Madison from like the Quiz Bowl. That's you right. You could always you know, follow it up with making sure that you uh, look out for number one so you don't step in number two. The great Rodney Dangerfield. No respect yeah. from so, uh, back to school. Yeah, those are good. Those are good. All right, cool. Thanks, Mikey. All right, so guys, this is... <laughs> This is our Halloween special, and since Halloween is about scary things like ghosts and witches and what happens to your body after you turn 50, um, let's spend a little bit of time. <laughs> what? what? What was that? Well, uh, so my birthday <laughs> is next going Wednesday, on? Oh, and, oh, I'm turning, and I'm turning 50, okay. and I'm hearing Got it. that a little I, foreshadowing. I might yeah. just it might 
it's already going downhill, but I think this, the, I think the, <laughs> like you know, the decline gets steeper. Is what I'm understanding. Anyway, <laughs> so we're gonna spend some time on one of Brad's suggestions uh, since it is our Halloween special. And uh, Brad's suggestion is that we should talk about what scares the shit out of you as a teacher. Uh, in other words, so when you think about this profession and what's going on, what is something that is not just concerning to you, but is actually frightening to you? Uh, and then let's kind of see where we're going. So, Brad, why don't, you get, why don't you start us off here? Well, I was making a list of things that scared me, and then it dawned on me. These are like my rational fears. But right before the school year starts, I, th- I think a lot of teachers have this. I start to have like dreams about teaching, mm-hmm. and my subconscious fears come up. And it's always like a class that I'm not prepared for. And the I, all of a sudden, the, some administrator is there. And kids are like standing on desks or they're open <laughs> rebellion. And I'm like getting antagonistic with them. And they're coming back at me. And it's totally ineffectual. And I, I think at the heart of it, my deepest fear of teaching is just totally losing control of the situation and not having the class run. And there's always somebody there. Observe, like seeing this utter failure because like I, I do plan a lot and I do work on the class environment but based on that's the thing I, I mean I have a list of things here that I've never had a dream about but that's the one <laughs> that's the one that pops into my head of like oh shit here like and you wake up thinking oh wait that didn't happen so I, yeah I think that all I think that all professions might have something like that I only say that because a quick little story is when I was waiting tables we used to call them wait mares Right. And you would wake, you'd have a, you know, you're working till 10, 11 at night. It's hard for you to go to sleep until 12 or one in the morning. And then you would have this awful dream. I remember one of them, uh, the quick of the story is that of all beverages that I had to get, the only one I really had to do myself was milk. I had to pour the milk. The bartender would get everything else, even sodas. And this white weight mare was that I had a table of 25 and they all ordered milk. And so I poured the milk for 25 people turned my back to get something, turned back to the counter, and it was all gone, and I had to do it again. So I think it's kind of the same idea, right? Like just sort of stressing out a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah, that's I was I have a, um, a similar dream, like you're saying. Just it's um, and it, oh, it's very reoccurring, like when it's time to go to work a lot. But um, I'm in my high school and I can't find the class, and I'm like, and <laughs> yeah. I'm the teacher, but I'm like moving up and down the halls for hours, and I can never find the class. I'm like, I know it's just right over there, and I never can get there. It's that same idea of where I think I'm prepared, then I can never quite get there. Yeah, I think that idea of being out of control probably gets all of us at some point. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's good. Okay, uh, yeah, Mikey, do you have any ideas? Uh, since I started off with movie references, I, I'll stick with to that. I mean, it's kind of like the idea of uh, you know holding on too tight, losing my edge, almost feeling like you got to turn in your wings. And the analogy with that—that's straight from Top Gun, if you're not familiar. But the idea is like. I'm fearful as a teacher that I hold on too tight in this career for too long because of this, the comfort and the security of the paycheck and the job that I would never be a teacher that is mailing it in. I'm unhappy. I don't like my career. I don't like where my situation is. And I love my situation, mm-hmm. but I have this genuine fear that I'm still in it and I'm crotchety and I shouldn't do anything to do with teaching or in that situation that's making me unhappy but I'm doing it because you know it's comfortable the paycheck's nice and I don't have the guts to change it and that really genuinely like does scare me yeah that's a great one I, like it's like <laughs> well, well, <laughs> I'm serious well when you think like 
like you're about to turn 50. Yeah. I'm 53. You get to a certain point where you're like, I'm looking more at retirement age. Yes. You've got like six years till I retire uh, after this year, six more school years. And are you realistically going to jump ship to another stream or whatever? You're probably going to ride this out. Right. But you don't like the worst possible scenario would be in a class where you're not into it and you're, you know, the kids know it and you're yeah. having a bad year and it goes south and maybe your energy's down if you're older and stuff. But that is it. Yeah, a great and one. you nailed it because even more as you go through the the cycle, if you want to call it the the pendulum of of, of time of where your arc is in your career, and you know you say you start thinking because I'm a weirdo when it comes to like um, budgeting and finance and forward thinking to the extent that it affects my living in the present sometimes mm-hmm. more than sometimes my wife would say, mm-hmm. but particularly me thinking about when it comes time <clears throat> that I'm getting into say single digit territory that you're in this gap so you're in the gap what you're talking about right now uh of like okay is it really realistic that you could even hit a reset button yeah. that anything's going to come close because it you know money and excess income is always about you adjust your lifestyle to what is available somebody that makes you know say two or three hundred thousand dollars a year they may not have a lot of disposable income because of how the obligations they have so what is their actual available revenue or cash mm-hmm. each month versus somebody that is maybe making by on fifty, sixty thousand dollars. They might have more available, but they don't get to live the liberties, right? <clears throat> so you get to the point where your lifestyle and your family or what are the commitments you have, you adjust those to however your family and how you see fit. So you have these um, issues of why you can't pull the plug. And I think about this like constantly. This is, this is something that I just I think about it all the time. There's yeah. no way I'm. Le- I mean. I like my job, obviously, I enjoy it, and if I ever stopped enjoying you know, the time that I have mm-hmm. with the students and hanging out and teaching, I, I absolutely believe I need to quit and move on. But that's challenging because I also have kids and a family to provide for and a mortgage to pay and those kinds of things. And I know that if I start over somewhere else at almost 50, like I'm not starting at this salary. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and that, that's... That is a that's a legitimate fear. It, it it's a legitimate fear too when you are in, and I'm fortunate. I think we're all fortunate to be at schools that we like. But it is also a legitimate fear should leadership of that school change and change the culture of it, and you're just like I can't do this anymore. Wanting you know I, w- I don't want to leave my school. I've been there 13 years. Derek's been there however long. You've been there however long. I mean, you there's guys so many there. layers to it, right? Because yes. you just nailed it. Like you might have a situation now. You could be a listener that you you, you are a fellow teacher, and it could be in a different faction and, and business uh, entity. But you think my situation's great? I couldn't even ever imagine myself thinking about that. If that's somebody right now, and then you have, if we're going to talk teaching, uh, complete different clientele in terms of demographics. Um, Maybe facilities get really run down and it's been a long time since you've got an update with technology and a completely different sense of admin that makes it so toxic that you're despising the environment and going there every single day. Or you like physically, like I had a, I had a substitute once when I was gone that it was an elderly person and they like lost control of their bowels. They <laughs> tried to wait. Because like That's they game were over, they were locked into the schedule, yeah. and they didn't know if they could leave or whatever. And it like that'd be weird. Like it stained my carpet until they got new carpet. They couldn't get it out, and 
kids came back. They're like, you know what happened? I'm like, you know what? Oh, I do know what happened. Yeah. I was like, you know, like that could be any of us at any time. No, nope, sure. like me. just have some grace. I can't put my pants in class. I'm just kidding. Hey, like, but like they, you know, telling the kids like that could be anybody. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta have some grace and just like just feel sorry, you know, feel yeah. sad for that person yeah. that they wanted to do their job so well that they like tried to make it work, but. You know, and you never think of yourself being in that spot until you, maybe you get some illness or you get older. Whatever happens, teaching is very regimented in a lot. Yeah. And like, you better be able to walk around the room for six hours and you better, you know, be able right. to be on a time you frame. You can go post-career. You can go post-retirement. So let's say, you know, without saying names, I could think of somebody who's a, who's a legend in terms of uh, being in our district for so long and you, you kind of thought and you saw them breaking down physically and that they um you almost want to say the phrase for better lack of terms hanging on and and still coming around for so long as a substitute mm. and what you just said like they were esteemed when they were the teacher but then these kids don't know this this individual yeah they had no how much work they put into the district and 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 how intelligent and and well thought out they were but as a substitute it's like they people just looked at them and and felt bad and had pity and would and would not respect them on the same level. And then you thought as an individual or once a colleague, like, why are you, why are you still coming down and walk in and, and with a hunch and, and, and kind of like a limp and you're thinking, why are you still doing this? You retired 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and you're, you're in your early, mid, late seventies. And you're like, you never know anybody's situation. Right. But yeah. And you just feel so bad about the situation. Yeah. How about, but, oh, I was going to say, let me, let me tie in a, another fear that actually ties into what you guys are talking about. And and this is this is kind of interesting how this conversation is going because I was kind of thinking it might go a different way and it probably will a little bit later. But in relation to what you said, I think one of the things that I fear might be a strong word, but that I don't look forward to is my colleagues uh, leaving or retiring. You know, like I look at the site that I'm at, you know, Derek and I are both at the same site. Derek is a really good friend. I know that I'm the, you know, with the guys that I hang out with on my site, I'm the newest. You know, this is my 13th year, but they've all been there 20 plus years. They're all gonna retire a good five, six years before I do. And when they start going, you know, the, the well, maybe not all of them. I can think of one that, that started a little after me, but when, 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 the three, when three of them end up retiring, again, six or seven years, these are the guys I walk into their rooms to talk to them at lunch and stuff, and they disappear. And then I'm sitting there going, now, now what am I gonna do? Now who am I gonna talk to? That's really real for like what had like at Edna Hill I've been there for twenty one years, mm-hmm. twenty two years, and I completely know that feeling of I like the different eras of people in my department, and then in one year it like totally flipped where it was like I was the only person left, mm-hmm. and everybody else came in new, and I, I have great colleagues I like them, yeah, but. It is a weird thing that you have a common history with people, and you remember the Christmas party where so and so did that, and then <laughs> yeah. some people Stories. pass away or retire or move different schools. Or that is a, a strange thing to feel like there's like a lot of ghosts walking around in your school and you're mm-hmm. well, and, left and there. the camaraderie angle of that too, because you know um, definitely which is more prominent at secondary schools of having more male teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when you lose a big faction of those and, and they were somebody that was at your grade level or your department and you were close to them or they could even been your neighbors, you know, mm-hmm. proximity wise, I, I've gone through that same thing. And the pandemic brought upon a lot of changes in my site. And mm-hmm. within uh, half a year to a year, 
lost three male teachers at my grade level that I was really close with that were with me since I came in. Yeah. And so all those stories, we're going to sixth grade science camp, end of the year parties, shenanigans. Um, and before that, losing people to retirement at my site that I was really close with before when I was a substitute, then there when I was as a full-time teacher. And so over the course of, in, in like a period between the pandemic and about four years even before that, I lost seven male teachers that I was really, really close that's, with. That's hard there's, because there's already not a lot of And us. they weren't replaced with male teachers right. to have there's that same camaraderie at yeah. lunchtime right. and department meetings, everything. Right. What do you think, Derek? We can move, let's move into something else. Do you have an idea? Something else? Something else? Um, I, was gonna say, I was thinking about that. I, was, I used to tell myself like when I turned, I'm like, when I started teaching, even not that long ago, but I would say if I, when I turn 40, I'll be done with this. Like <laughs> I'm not going to be like the old teacher, like 40, so old. Which now it seems so young. Yeah. But I was like, I would never do like I'm not gonna be that old guy. And even I said now, like you were mentioning, like I don't want to be the dude in the classroom who's like burned out and just like phoning it in. But um, that's not to say I couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm capable. You're capable. I, right. I got right? right? looked out. You got bills to pay. That's right. That's right. I yeah. might have to uh, pick up the dialer. And be like, hey, uh, I'm here. What about this Let me roll out those uh, pickleballs for you guys and put up the nets. And we're going to go do this. You're not going to put the nets up anymore. You're going to have the kids. That's right. Yes. You're just going to roll out the balls. Yes. It's for a, a thing that like, was terrifying that is like really like just scares the shit out of you is having a, a kid having a health issue real serious in your classroom at that moment. PE, you probably have that even more. But I had – Two times where a kid lost consciousness in my classroom, oh and my you're, God. yeah, and we were way on the portables. There's no phone. You're trying to scramble and get a hold of like somebody in the office, whatever. One of them, a, a student, found they had a heart condition, and it was like it was it was real. You know, another one, the kid just overexerted themselves at PE or something. But like for me, looking back, there's a lot of these that are kind of like general fears, but that was like really, oh shit, like what do you? Yeah. What are you going to do right now? Like, how do you handle it? Can you get somebody on the line to get here right now and all that? Yeah, yeah that is always scary. We had an ambulance and fire truck on campus. Was that Monday? Days ago, yeah. Or Friday? Yeah, just someone had had, you know, a medical situation came up in a classroom. It wasn't like a injury or anything. But, yeah, whenever that happens, you know, everyone's on the phones or the PA, like, let the kids know everyone's safe and everyone's okay. But, yeah, that is scary when that happens. Or even when – especially if someone does get hurt too because last year something happened – I don't remember if it was a fight or something at lunch, but by the time it got back to my classroom, somebody had been like stabbed and the ambulance was there right, to take the him away and punch in the face mm-hmm. and they're knocked out. And you're just like, what's going on? But right. of course, you know, none of that actually had happened, but you just never know. And then it gets to a parent on the phone and they're spreading it. So yeah, that is scary. Especially if you're kids at the school and you're like, what is happening to my family? Like, well, and then you have the other side of that too, which, you know, understandably everybody is busy, but you get that situation and it's not that you just don't have a phone. Even if you do have a phone, you can't get a hold of anyone. Yeah. You know, I mean, we only have so much training or, you know, our training is limited as a teacher. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a coach, a coach. I'm required to have first aid training, right? right. I don't yeah. necessarily have to have first aid training as a teacher. So <laughs> just to get your, your, uh, right. Certificate, whatever. Um, that's one time you have to do it that one time <laughs> one time 13 yeah. years ago yeah i mean i know how to put on a band-aid like i can do that much but you know if there's like a serious issue i think i would be you know brad you said that one before and it, one that comes to mind because you, you actually said it because of the substitute teacher who made the stain in the well i i've had a fear and i actually had one a little bit of an anecdotal story that's kind of funny but not so funny 
I always had the fear that you were going to get, you know, have a situation where maybe you were going to shit your pants or you couldn't get to the bathroom fast enough. That Brad was going to? Brad, well, Brad. Mike's got real concerns because he's know, older. Mike's yeah. really wow. concerned about it. Not Brad. Oh, us wow. us oh, as a, you been like in the like teaching profession, I'm like, I'm like, Brad, I'm for sorry, anybody that's, that's new to it's our like channel here, you have very limited windows of going to the bathroom. Yes. And it's not so simple that you got to go right now that you're going to be able to make it to the bathroom because you have a classroom full of students. Right, right. right. So a fear is coming over, being overcome with a sudden I got to go now. And I have never had that situation where we got close where I was going to shit my pants style. But I have had it because, you know, as a teacher, you want to come off as being somebody who's like, you know, somebody of strength and professionalism. Yeah. Like and I don't stoic shit my pants. And I don't get sick. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I did have a situation where I got the flu bug happen. Oh. And this happened last year. And I, in one motion from talking, walked over to the front of the classroom where there was a uh, larger bu- uh, trash can that I could eat and then just started ralphing and then re- cleaned myself back up, started talking oh, again. Wow. Thought it was just that one little thing. Had to do it again. Oh my God. So then I put it outside the door. I said, one second. And then did two more times of in and out, in and out and then tried to hide it. Couldn't do it. No. And so now it's time, time for me to go. But it was one of those, it was the first time where I was overcome. Luckily it wasn't from the back end. And it made a big difference. Uh, you know, it was kind of a, it was an embarrassing type of situation. It was like, yeah. oh, did you see what happened to Mr. Martin? Of course. For sure. It becomes a big deal. For sure. Yeah. Um, all right. You know what I was going to say as far as um, things are scary is to talk about something more serious than other stuff. Uh, <laughs> your pants. So we do like, uh, we do school shooter trainings, which um, I think are scary for the kids. Um, what do you guys think about that as far as like, is that something you think about? Because we have these trainings, you know, a couple times a year. Mm-hmm. Is that something that's really a concern for you? Because I don't, but. We did have like a lockdown like three years ago at our school. It was the last day before Christmas break. And there was a, a thing and they got the guy on camp. It was right after school. They, the bell rang for the last day before the winter vacation. We had our Christmas party planned that evening at the local restaurant for the staff and everything. And boom, like lock, there's a lockdown. They were some kids were still on campus. They're pulling them in. I was like thinking I had already I should have left like five minutes before. All of a sudden, there's a helicopter up above, and I'm laying under my wow. desk. They got the guy with like a gun in front of our student center, arrested him right there, and it of course took forever for the Christmas party to start that night and everything. Mm-hmm. But so that it it did happen. We've been, we yeah. had locked down a couple times. One of my other things, I went to lunch once, and there was. And I left campus to go to lunch, and they had a lockout, or lockdown, whatever. And I was locked out, and I was like looking at the fence, like where? Can he <laughs> texting the principal? Hey, yeah. can you let me in? I'm what's going on? I'm locked out. And there was something on the other side of town, but mm-hmm. that's interesting. I never we, even heard about that. Yeah. I know Mikey's school's been locked down because of uh, a thing or two that's yeah. happened in. The I live really close to Mikey's school, so that's happened in my community. Um, but I've been aware of that. Uh, I'm not really concerned about. A school shooter to be honest um, or that sort of issue I can see there being a concern out there uh, but it's to me just statistically it is so rare to really happen um, it doesn't really doesn't really cross my mind I will say though not to change the subject but just to tag onto it a little bit I am fearful because I'm a bit I'm a wuss I'm a fearful <laughs> of anything that has to do with a physical altercation like I do not want to have to be someone who has to break up a fight between parents 
you know, which I know happens at other schools, maybe not any of ours, but I don't want to break up a fight between parents. I don't want to break up a fight between kids. Um, I don't want some kids striking me in the middle of class. Like anytime that I think about something physical happening where I have to physically intervene, I, I can see myself doing it, but being, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I can't. I don't really know how I would respond, to be honest. I'm so, I feel so empty. In Wait, have you, you've never broken up a fight at school? Uh, no. One time I was outside my door and there was a, there was a crowd swarming. So you knew the fight was happening and I started moving towards it and it broke up before I got there. And then there was a video on, you know, Instagram or, well, at that time it probably wasn't TikTok. It might've been a Vine or whatever. But at that time there was a, Someone had posted it that said, when you're about to fight, but Mr. Brown comes and, you know, stops it. But I never really got there. So I've <laughs> never had to break up a fight yet. I'm also not really near the lunch table, so it's yeah, a bit harder. But that, that, that makes me nervous. It makes me nervous about the implications of getting sued, even though I think I'm doing the right thing. It makes me nervous about kids getting injured. You know, I just there's a lot of stuff about that that I really don't like. You know, the star administrator recently, not current ones, but had their face a little banged up from intervening in a fight. Mm-hmm. Have you broken up a fight before, Brad? Yeah, a number of them. I've like, never. A lot. Maybe because Edna Hill used to be, or more Edna Hill, or even Byron, like smaller schools, kind of, uh, you wore more hats, or you're out there more yeah. often around what was going mm-hmm. on. The, the lockdown stuff we had at our school, we've had like, I can think of at least three but we're our school's downtown, so if yeah. they if somebody's That's robbing true. the the mm-hmm. Wells Fargo, or if somebody's it. doing something in the neighborhood, they're running through. Mm-hmm. They lock us down while stuff's going on. It's not like our school's going wild, but we're yeah, close sure. to mm-hmm. businesses and so on. Well, we used to have we used to have I don't know again other people have different language, but do you remember when we used to have the lockdown versus the lock out? Mm-hmm. I think that was the two terms and they were just super close together and it was really confusing but that the lockout was something was happening but go about your business, business as, as usual, usual. Yeah, right? and lockdown means yeah. don't let anybody leave so mm-hmm. I, I never said the word shit but I always explained to the kids like guys here's the difference a lockdown means this shit's going down right now and mm-hmm. you don't get to leave you know but i would not say that word and you know but a lockout means we're doing our stuff so that was always confusing and i think they did they even change that you know i think we had used to be more confusing because they would have little code words mr brown is on campus and you're like (laughs) right that's which is that is that lockdown that right now they just come out and say like why does it mean it's on campus why does it have to be me the, the point that you were oh, talking yeah, I about... Doing, I was going Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> you got Reservoir Dogs on us. All, okay. the, all of the, that Alice training that you're talking about and, the, and it happening isn't so much a, a concern or fear if, if you're going to like fight or flight. Um, if that happens, it's going to happen. But I think, you know, as we alluded to earlier times that we had um, recordings, it's ironic that I was this close, you know, as I mentioned, if anyone hadn't listened before, that I was going to be... A, a public servant as a um, deputy sheriff but when I went into teaching never once did I think that I was going into teaching that I was going to have to make a life or death, uh, death dis- decision yeah. or have to lay my life on the line for you know these are my students and I will do what I have to do to, to help protect them but not the same as if it's my own kin right and in terms of if you had enough time to think about it, that's a different story versus a, an instinctual type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But 
it's it's nothing that you go into the profession thinking that that's going to be something that is going to come into play. Today, people might. Yes, I bet. For for, sure. I bet but, that's more. And that's where I'm minds, going with yeah. that. So that that does come into play um, for me thinking about like, ooh, okay, so this is this is getting a little more real. Whenever we have those trainings, it, it runs through my head. I know exactly what I will do if I have to. But it's, it's like this is uh, it's those moments of reflection to think, wow, this is kind of strange that you even have to think about that in this profession. Yeah, it is. I know one of a, a colleague was telling me just a couple days ago about how they have backpacks now with like Kevlar armor plating or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, we should get those. We should get those because we're outside and da da da. And I'm like, I don't think I need that. Um, I don't want to carry it around. It seems heavy. Yeah. But I can run faster than some people out here, so I'm gonna be good. <laughs> I guess I guess I would say that I don't really think about and I don't have a fear about the school shooter thing. Um, but I but that's not to say I don't think about it regularly. I'm and by that I mean you know every once in a while, I don't know, once a month, once every other month or something, it crosses my mind where I'm outside and I look at the layout of our particular site and I go, okay, well what could happen here? You know where would where would they come in, and then what would I do if that were the case, and um, and 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 because of all these trainings, it, it ends up finding itself in the forefront of my mind. I don't ever have conversations with students about that. Obviously, I don't want to freak them out. Um, I do have conversations with them, as we all do, when we're going to do some sort of uh, you know active shooter training or whatever, or the things that they do on campus, but. I hate that we do any of that. I think it, it builds fear in the kids that shouldn't exist. Like I agree. I don't think they should ever hear that that's even... The conversations you have to have that yeah, come from I that, know, like, and it derails the whole, you know, that day or that lesson that you're Well, yeah, you can say, like, realistically, it does happen. It happens, you know, around the country, but just the idea that we're going to train you kids today so when that shooter comes, we all know what to do. Like, do you think... I do not the, like it. You don't think yeah. they get, like... An awareness from the media about that anyway like it's it's already in their head maybe you give them like a sense of security like this is what you should do if it happens because i think it i i i do think that's in their head that is a possibility but i also think it's like one of those things where it's not going to happen to me and then when they're sitting in their own classroom like hiding under their desk like oh okay so this could happen to me because i'm sitting here actively role-playing that it's happening to me right now yeah and i just i don't know i really like maybe I'm swearing blinders, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. And I, I hate that my kids and any of those kids, I hate seeing them sitting there on the floor and thinking, okay, we're all role playing right now that someone's coming to kill some of us and we have to know what to do. And maybe it is good. You know, that's, we just, that's the way it is. We have to do that because there's no um, willingness to do something else. But I just, I hate it. I, I hate that it puts that thought in the kid's head. Well, I think going to school should be like the place that they never have to fear anything let alone having to train to avoid getting a gun yeah. shot at them. I remember when we did the first training at our site, um, we had to actively role play, and they brought a Nerf gun for us. Mm-hmm. Did you guys do that too? Just with the staff. No yeah, kids. just right. with the just staff, with the no staff. kids. Yes. But I remember as we're sitting in there, they picked me to be the first shooter. And I don't know if it's because, honestly, it seems like most school shooters are white men, white boys, you know, um, at least that's what it seems like. So they picked me and uh, I went out and they gave me the Nerf gun. And the guy's like, okay, so you're going to go in. And, you know, it was the first time. So nobody knew really what to do. And I was supposed to go in and shoot as many people as I could. And he said, make sure you shoot him in the head. Because, you know, that's what a school shooter would do. So, 
But I'm like, I'm not shooting my colleagues in the head with a Nerf gun. I'm just, I wasn't doing it. So I did my thing and then someone else did their thing. But even being on the other side of that was incredibly uncomfortable, you know, for me. Yeah, yeah I'll say. So like, I don't. <laughs> Kill shots I, only. I, yeah, I, I know. remember that because I remember the guy who was in charge from a, with a site there was coming in the door a second time after you. And I remember we had like Nerf balls and I. Yes. And the door was getting pried open, and I just kept checking him in his face over and over again and hitting him, and it made me feel happy. I was hitting him in the hard face. Corners, hard corners. Balls, just sure. because we were sitting there having to hear that nonsense. Yes. Like, we're all going to sit there like there's any training, you know, once a year maybe that's going to help us if that actually happened. Like, right. my adrenaline and instincts will kick in, and I'll run or I'll cower or I'll fight. But that 10 minutes of pretending I'm in the military, whatever it is. Um, is it going to help? No. It just it's too scary for our babies. I don't like it. How about this one for a different, uh, something completely different? Mm-hmm. Another uh, terrifying fear is this former student coming up. And it scares me shitless. Like hey, when they say, "Do you know do my you name? Remember me? Do you remember my name?" <laughs> like, oh come on, uh, please. No. Yeah. Isn't that always their first question? Do you remember me? Do you know yeah. my name? It's just like uh, I think we've talked about this before a yeah. couple yeah. times, yes. but it, yeah. it fits in for sure. Yeah, Certainly. that is true. I don't even. I mean, we don't. Let's not get a rehash the things we've already spoken about but i that is uh you know we all have our go-to things of how we get out of that situation and let kids know that you know i've had two thousand kids through my class no there's very few of them that i remember but when you say your name and you say your year then i will yeah. pretend to say that i know you or That's i right. will know you and then we move yeah, that'll on help. that'll help right. i think um one of the things i fear about too is like and we mentioned this too but there's the um the idea of of our jobs like kind of disappearing under the whole AI umbrella where they'll just be these programs that the kids will sign into in their computers and maybe they'll be a proctor in the classroom mm-hmm. or maybe they'll just stay home and school from home, but where they won't even actually have a real teacher there. They'll just have some kind of computer telling them what to do and there won't be any actual human interaction. They'll just be sitting there and they'll maybe they'll learn the material, but um, or they'll maybe be one teacher and there'll be 500 kids yeah, and then you know, or our jobs will just dissolve into nothing because they can just get all their information online, and things will definitely be to, changing. Uh, have right? a, a teacher, yeah. Well, a new, like a variation on that, is keep all the same teachers, but just homogenize everything. So while they're still yeah. there teaching, there's no individu- individuality. There's no teacher. You're like, this is what you're all doing. Yeah, today on Tuesday at two o'clock, say these things. Didn't, do this. But isn't that what the state used to do for not underperforming schools? Like during the No Child Left Behind, they used to have people come in and just like... Yeah, there's a lot of state takeover and there's a lot of like over curriculums over. that were very scripted and said, here's what you do and here's how you do it to kind of that they thought would help people be successful. Yeah. I don't know if that's um, happening still. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, let's let's shut it down for today. I appreciate uh, the conversation and talking. Hopefully in some way this is interesting or insightful to you people that are listening out there. We appreciate you taking the time. Uh, Again, if you are interested in following us on social media, we're starting to be more active on that. You can find us on Instagram or Twitter, now X, at at MidMenPod. Um, So they're still being worked on, but we're trying to be more active. If you want to get a hold of us, feel free to email us at uh, MidMenPod at gmail.com and we'd like to thank the local produce growers for all your help in our teaching profession for sure for sure (laughs) all right i don't really know what that means but okay all right guys talk to you next week